0: Hello, how is everybody doing this evening? Oh. Let's do that again with the lights. Hello, how is everybody doing? Well, I'm so honored to share the word of God with you this evening. First, my name is David Tumusime. I'm originally from Africa. Um, I just became a part of Riz Life here about seven weeks ago. Um, I'm part of the family now. Um, with me, t- today is my wife, Jessica Tumsime who is right here with us. Um, we have three three kids. Um, David. Jonathan and Lillian, uh, four, three, and almost two. And God has been blessing us on this journey like never before. Um, I'm gonna share with you about some of the things that God has been doing in our lives. But as I'm sharing this, don't look at the importance of my story. Take a moment and just focus on what Christ wants to do with your life story. Because my story without Christ is just a page that could be written about and thrown in the fire. But there's something that God wants to do with you one-on-one in those encounter moments of just you and him. Because there's so many things that you may never understand. If you're watching online, I'm glad you are. This is gonna be a great evening. Uh, So if you don't mind, turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter one. We're gonna start with, uh, we're gonna read verse three and four. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. I'll read it again. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, with all spiritual blessings. I'm talking about fellowshipping with the Father here. God knew from the very beginning before even Adam ever sinned. He, created, he knew he was gonna create man and he knew what the outcome was gonna be. He was gonna live in man. He knew one day the upper room scenario was gonna happen. He knew one day that you were gonna encounter what you're gonna encounter today. The day you accepted Christ, he set you up with enough patience, enough peace, enough joy to carry you through whatever life struggle you'll ever encounter for the rest of your life as long as you live on this earth. I had a moment with a couple, one time I was doing counseling with them and this, and this guy walked in with his wife and they said, our marriage is over. And I was listening to the debate, listening to the understanding of what they did have. I didn't hear any of them mention that they were blessed by the Father. I didn't hear them mention that from the beginning, before they were even in, in existence, God knew them. And so I asked him a question. I asked the man first. I said, when did you give your life to Jesus? He said, oh, brother, that was 1968. He could even remember the date. He could remember the day what the pastor said. He could, he could list off everything that happened in the service. And then I told him, Do you rem- if you remember that day that well, what else did God give you? And he looked around. I said, Pretty quick I said, everything that you ever needed to make your marriage thrive, God gave you that day. Because for a long time, salvation has only been about Jesus dying on the cross for you, and the bloodshed on the cross for you, but for a lot of believers, we don't take this and embody it in within us. Because if that is true, then I'm not praying for God to do one more thing if God himself gave me his spirit to come live in me. If a man gives you his own spirit, what more can he give you? And When Paul is saying God has blessed you with all spiritual blessing, what he means is this, is the rim of the spirit that imparts faith and reveals Jesus to you has already been deposited in your life. Heavenly places means the impact of that spiritual influence in your life begins to manifest where you are. So in a nutshell, what Paul is saying that you are blessed with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ, he's saying the supernatural and the natural got together and gave birth to you, and that's your new identity. I'll say that again. Christ is the natural. Jesus in the flesh. He possessed all the Godhead in him. And he said, All that I have, I give unto you. So he's saying that all of the needs that you will ever have, in other words, God has blessed you with faith that can manifest supernatural things. That's why Christianity is a confession ministry. If you can speak to your situation because you're afraid what your neighbor is gonna hear you say, you may forever be bound in life because sometimes you may be seeing a sickness in your body and you have to say, I am healed. Because what? The Father finished that for me already. Sometimes you may see a financial lack, and what comes out of your mouth is now, God, give me some more money. It's God, you've already provided for me. Show me the area in my life that I need to pay attention to, to produce into manifestation what you've already made available spiritually. Say these words with me. God has a good plan for mankind. And that, and that plan includes me. Let's say it again. God has a good plan for mankind. Plan for mankind. And, that plan and that plan includes me. Let's take it even further. God has a plan for my life. God has a plan for my life. And it is good. And it is amazing. I know right now everything is about COVID. Everything is about, God, where's my next meal going to come from? God, where are you in this situation? The entire world. In Uganda, churches are not even open. They haven't been open for almost coming to 10 months now. People are in all sorts. I was talking with my dad just the other day, and then he said, David, I've never had so much peace in my life like the peace I have, I have had in the last nine months. And I could hear in his voice the peace he was talking about wasn't the peace he was actually experiencing. He was speaking things as though they are in the spirit. My, my father oversees about 3,000 churches. That's 3,000 senior pastors. So every single morning his schedule is, I would compare it to the present schedule is, he arrives, the moment he gets out of bed, his phone starts ringing, he's sitting on the desk in the the, the office in between prayer and the other, when there was no COVID, he would get in the car at 7 a.m. and he would come back at home 11 p.m. midnight on some of those nights to hear him say, I see peace now when every other pastor is calling and saying, people need food, people need bills paid. What kind of help can we do? How much food can we produce in 10 months to to feed that many people? And as if COVID wasn't enough, there there was Ebola, there was cholera, there was dysentery, there was all these other sicknesses that had already made the country seem pointless. And here's the man I'm talking to on the phone saying, David, I've never had so much peace in my life than the past seven months. You have to have a certain relationship with God. You have to be able to have a certain fellowship with the Father, not because you're in a big room, but when but when your room is empty and it's just you and God, how is your fellowship looking like? Because the word fellowship actually means making yourself available. It also means giving of yourself. So when, you, when, when you're having fellowship with the Father, what, is really, what you're really saying is Father, I'm making myself available for you to work those things in me that no man can work out of me. No situation can work out of me, almost like the definition of the word anointing. It's God in you and on you doing those things only he can do. Another good example would be I'm gonna I'm gonna get from pastor's message this morning. You know David is at a place in his life. He's in between becoming a manifesting his kingship, but he's still a shepherd. And after killing Goliath, I'm going to run all the way there. He escapes to the cave of Adullam during his uh, one of those times of being hunted by Saul. So he's in the cave of Adullam and then he prays to God, oh God, where are you? Send me some help. I'm paraphrasing Psalms 57. And what does God do? The Bible says in Psalms, no, I think Samuel 22 says, "All all the people in debt, the depressed, the lonely, the outcasts were sent to David. I can't imagine if you're David and you're waiting for God's help to arrive. And everybody that's coming to your rescue needs your help. <laughs> David may have known about his anointing to become king, but he, he may not have also known that the anointing on his life was actually about changing the experiences of other people to encounter the manifested Christ. These were the first 300 soldiers David had. And if you go on reading in 23, one of them was able to kill 8,000 men with one spear. So this is one of the guys who came in, probably depressed, probably in debt, and the anointing on David's life, it doesn't even give a time, I think it was a period of time he was able to identify the anointing on his life, doing things on other people that God had sent him to achieve only those things that God could achieve. In other words, there was a constant relationship between people who gave themselves to the work of Christ and what God was about to do. Turn your Bibles to Mark 9, Mark chapter 9. And we're gonna read. I'll start from verse 16. And he asked the scribes, what question ye them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he has taken him, he teareth him, and he formeth and gnasheth with his teeth, and panneth away. And I spake unto thy disciples, and they couldn't cast him out. He answered and said, "All oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you to, to, to bring him unto me? Let's skip to 23. And then Jesus said unto him, If thou can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straight away the father of the child cried out and said, with tears, Lord I believe, help my unbelief. I've come to the point in my life where I identify with this story so well. I was born, I was born mute. Not that I couldn't speak, but I chose not to speak because it took me forever to pronounce a word. I would shake and and so for a long time I, di- I just didn't want to talk at all. I could identify with this child here in this story because I can't imagine what the parents went through. I saw, I saw a man of God who was my dad who'd go and and speak, and, and teach, and miracles happen for other people. But me, the closest person to him, nothing seemed to be changing. It was confusing for a long time that even people on the team were concerned about what my future was gonna be like. In Africa, there was no school for disabled students, or if you had a disability. I went to the same school as everybody else did. I struggled, didn't do well, yet every time there would be somebody testifying about how God blessed them with good grades. They hadn't studied, but they passed everything. And this this Ingram, I watched my mom struggle with this. When the father here says, Lord I believe, help my unbelief, what he's really saying is, I am converted, but I'm not persuaded. I struggled believing God loved us all. I was converted, I was a believer, yes, but I wasn't persuaded. Every minister that came to visit my parents' ministry, they, they they all got a test on me. Let's get the fastest, the pastor's son first in line. And and right after they laid hands on me, I went back to play the keyboard. And the right the person right behind me, either was a deaf ear, broken limb, they start walking throw their sticks up. And I'm thinking, God, what? Did I do something to deserve this? Maybe I'm talking to someone in here. You're not, you were not in the same box, but maybe that's your question today. God, why did so and so die? You see, there's two things that God was showing me as I was preparing here. He said, David, you can either have faith or you can have control. But the things that I want to do in you, I've already wired them in you. And here's a good example that came to mind. When Ford makes a car, and that car is supposed to run 120 miles an hour. And you buy it, you can't drive it at 140 miles an hour. Because that car has been wired to only run 120 miles an hour. And here's what happens. You get on, the, on these roads, they say the speed limit is 80. So the car has been wired to run 120 miles an hour. But now, because of the law of the land, you can only use close to 80 before you get a ticket. And so you condition your life to driving at 80 or below and never fully maximizing the capacity the car is wired to drive. You, you're always afraid or more fear about what the law of the land says than the capability that the car is built to sustain. As God was showing me this, he said, David, you paid so much attention on the speed limit of your life than you did the potential I had put in you. And for so many believers, that's how we've lived our lives for so long. The doctor said, the teacher said, I can't remember how many times the doctors always said they wanted to cut the bottom of my tongue so it can be loosed. Another doctor said I needed neurotherapy. That was, I had to fly to India and they get, the, they get that chrono stuff on, on my head, neuroplasticity stuff. Things that did not make sense for us then, but we spent so much time trying to understand that. Speed limit problem. Instead of maximizing, what am I wired to accomplish now that's in here and the Spirit of God has to bring it out? And maybe that's you this evening. Maybe COVID is the speed limit. But what has God wired into you? Maybe that back pain is the speed limit. Oh, God has blessed me with so many things but he give me this back pain so I can learn something. (laughs) Let me ask you this, if God has given you the back pain, why are you going to the doctor? Because either you're saying the doctor is stronger than God and can ease your back pain, (laughs) or God didn't give you the back pain. And that's the life of How the life of so many truly is, is I I watched my mom wake up every single day that I can remember at 5 a.m., open this book and sometimes just read an entire psalm out loud in the living room. She didn't wake us up. She didn't call us to the living room. But the invitation was how loud she got because we couldn't sleep. And so you chose to stay in bed listening to everything she's saying, or you went and joined her that day, and just enjoyed the favors after, because it was always a good breakfast after morning prayer. (laughs) Every day that I can remember, you could see the frustration in her eyes when I brought home a bad report. Every day that I I couldn't even order my own food, at the restaurant. Not that we went that many times. But not a, not a single day of any frustration passed with her heart declaring all of the spiritual blessings that God had made available for her household, for her ministry, for her children. Who would hear her declaring? At first, it it didn't make sense at all, because I, I hope this will be polite, but so many pastors had tried to heal me. So many. I got so many diagnostics tools from pastors. Innocently so. But there's this one day I also remember. It was my 14th birthday. All in the morning. This time, I didn't hear the noise. I didn't hear mom doing what she does in in the living room. But when I woke up, she was standing right on my bed and tears coming down her eyes. And then she said, David, you were talking in your sleep. And without me realizing, I was having a conversation with her back. How did you know? I don't remember the exact words I said, but for the first time, I could say a phrase without shaking. I could say a phrase without anything that was hindering me from saying a phrase. But as I was getting ready for this, it's when I remembered, oh God. Everything that my mama was declaring since that time that was coming through my ears was actually depositing itself in seed form into my body until I had understanding to to know the spirit of God that would work this thing that's in me to produce out of me what Christ wanted to produce out of me. And you see, maybe that's how long it takes. I had a song by Kirk Franklin. I think this, this prayer identifies with me so well. It's, it's a song called Help Me Believe on, on the Fight For My Life album. He wrote and said, I wanna believe, but I'm having a hard time seeing past what I see right now. I wanna be free, but when I try to fly, I realize I don't know how. No one showed me how. I wish I could see the mess I'm in will really work up for my good. You said it would. So if you can hear me, give me a sign because I don't feel like I should. Please, if you could. And he puts a line at the bottom. My faith is almost gone. I didn't want to be in ministry. I had been in ministry all my life, all my childhood. And this was my prayer. God, if you're really there, help me believe that you are there. I've seen you heal. I'm converted. Yes, I'm a believer, but I'm not persuaded because I don't, I have this thing that's, so, that's in me that's saying, you know, God loves others more than you. You're not on the same plane. In God's eyes, you come second. You see, you may be in a certain place condition even right now as I'm talking to you. You're beginning to mentally go back and see those areas in your life where you're like, oh God, that could be me. But if my mom had stopped being thankful for the finished work of Christ, I don't think I would be talking today Maybe sometimes all you need is that, is that extra person to hold your hand and say, I'm going to pray when you can't pray. I'm going to believe when you don't believe. I'm going to see it the way God sees it no matter what you do. Because that's how my life was. I can't imagine this, this father who brings his child to Jesus I know the disciples are there to demonstrate how, how much they've been close with, with Jesus. And I'm sure they're casting out this devil and nothing is happening. And the Father is so frustrated at this point. And Jesus comes on the scene. Remember where they're coming from. They're coming from the mountain of transfiguration, perfect place of fellowship. And here they are at the bottom of the valley. They can't even cast out a devil. And Jesus says, oh, faithless generation. I really believe he says that not because they didn't have faith, but because they were not persuaded. Persuaded. Turn your Bibles to Luke 24:27. 20, Even the disciples themselves had a journey to walk here. You see what happens with the disciples is they knew of God they were convinced that Jesus was God, but they were still not persuaded. I'll show it to you. Let's go to Luke twenty-four, twenty-seven, um, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Let's go to 31. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us? while well, he talked with us by the way, and while well, he opened us to us the scriptures. Let's go to 44. And he said unto them, "These are the words which I spake unto you while I was with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets, in the psalms. Concerning you, everything that Jesus was doing, saying, was, had already been written. People believed it, but none was persuaded. And then here's what happens. Then he opened their eyes to understanding that they may understand the scriptures. You see, their character was different, but they were not persuaded. Who, who they were weave was the son of God, the seed of Abraham, but just walking along with him did not affect changing their lives. Do you know that Jesus did more work in his absence than he ever did in his presence. To the last day of Jesus' ministry on the earth, he's so concerned about what people understood or thought he was. To the point that even when you read the book of Acts, chapter one, when he says, tarry in Jerusalem until you're filled with power, the very next verse, the disciples ask, are you gonna restore the kingdom of Israel? Is that what you're trying to do that way? And what happens in the upper room to me is the climax of what our faith really is. I believe at the core of the kingdom work, God is working in the heart of man. God's kingdom is first in the heart of man before he can manifest it in the world. In other words, the spirit of God in me doing those things only God can do coming out of me is me manifesting the kingdom of God. So when I'm not feeling like I should, I begin to declare those things that the word of God says I am until my body can reproduce what's supernatural into the natural. And sometimes that may take forever forever. And that's why Paul, in Ephesians 1, 15, 16, 17 onwards, he says, God, I pray that you may increase them in the w- wisdom of the Spirit and supernatural understanding. Because every single journey of every day of our lives, we're either growing in knowing Christ or becoming more carnal. In other words... All of the truth of our redemption is spiritual. How we access it is by faith. Andrew Womack said that. God has already made everything you could ever ask for and wired you to carry it on before he created you. Knowing that everything you would need, you only need access to. In other words, by faith you receive what God made available for you. I can prove it. Let's go to Genesis chapter two, verses four. Genesis two, verses four. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day they were created. Verses five. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every hub of the field before it grew, the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth. And there was not a man to till the ground. Let's go to seven and eight. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of life. And the man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Let's go to 15. And, and the Lord God took the man and put him in, in, into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Here's a few things that I would like to point out. Do you, do you see that even when God created man in his presence, man had three roles? So Eden, I mean, Eden for for not to go into a deep study of what Eden means, to me Eden means operating in the presence of God, within the presence of God, to do those things that God has already made available. And that's why to me Eden cannot be found today. Because Eden was man operating in the divinity of God. That's not a location on the earth. That's the location that Christ has made available for all believers now. That You have the spirit of Christ living in you in full oneness that now you can reproduce those things. That's why Adam could say, let there be two. He named all the animals. And so the first role God gave Adam was to the ground. In other words, everything, everything Adam was gonna get although it was deposited in there, he, he was gonna to have to cultivate. If, if Adam needed a chair, well, what was he gonna do? God has already made a chair, a tree. <laughs> we always make a joke, I took this marriage class, they said if Adam needed, a, <laughs> everything that God gave Adam was not finished work, right? So when God gave Eve to Adam, what was Adam supposed to do? I'll leave that there. Um, Miles Monroe puts it this way. It's, it's our responsibility to work the woman out of the wife God gave you, and it's your respons- responsibility, wives, to work the man out of the husband God gave you. <laughs> you gotta cultivate. God did not give you a finished product. <laughs> Here's another thing that I, that I see God give to, to man. He gave to man every seed-bearing plant. In other words, he taught man how to work with seed. In other words, a seed is a tree, Just not in manifestation. The seed is still a tree. When you're planting a small seed and it's a mango tree, it's still a seed. But what are you planting? A mango tree. To the point that man was able to see things even as this small as I'm planting a mango tree. So the principle that God is teaching man faith started way before man ever came into existence. A seed is a tree, just not in manifestation. The other thing he told man was to keep what he entrusted to him. To watch, preserve, to have charge over as property in trust. And that's what you see it's God doesn't condemn you for your desire to nurture. I can't imagine parents that have Maybe kids with a worse condition than I did have. Maybe it's autism. Maybe it's CF. All of the other bad stuff that could be possible. A parent to a child. Do you, how do we start up this seed? How do we see this victory as a small seed? Saying, I know, I know the surmounting evidence that says it's not possible, but I have this little bitty. Faith in me that if I take care of it, if I pour some good ground on it, something can be done because that's what the spirit of God does. And it's can turn things whether it's 20 years or one year. To God, there is no time that he didn't create, but he's on and on time God. So I'm talking to you this evening saying, it doesn't matter what you're going through. God wired you to use faith. God wired you to see things and cultivate. I come from an agricultural country. Everybody knows every three months you have Mongols. Everybody knows every, every fall you're gonna get maize and all the other stuff. But they, the patience in between those gaps is where you see the farmers do the work. And I think the word of God does not say the man is in the presence of God. This is fully in the presence of God, open heaven, and God gives him work to do. I've made everything available to you, but now it's your opportunity to access it. I think it's the very same thing that happens in the upper room to the point that when Peter comes out and is walking down the street, I'm paraphrasing there's this beggar on the beautiful gate who's looking for gold and silver. Peter is like, Oh, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have. I think that's a high level identity in our faith. If we're not at the place where to say, What I have, I give unto thee, we are converted and not persuaded. Because sometimes you may have to say that when you're so broke, you can't even find dinner. Sometimes you're gonna to have to say that when the power bill cannot be paid. Sometimes you're gonna to have to say that even when it looks like a cancer situation. I'll tell you a story to close. When my dad started his ministry back home, they, the people in the village didn't like him. So there was this group that planned to come and pretty much kill him in the middle of the service by, sh- by shooting him. So I remember this not so clearly, but as... I mean, with a little bit of like people telling the same story over and over, I'm able to reiterate this, because it says this, one of the guys who was sent by the people to come kill my dad, he told the guys that sent him, if this works, there is no God. But if it doesn't work, I'm staying with him. And so he comes to church in the middle of a midweek service on a Wednesday. Everybody is in the building and he begins to walk in with his AK-47 heading towards my dad. And he's standing in front, he doesn't even flinch. He's coming in, everybody's under the pews, on the floor, thinking this is the end, and he walks halfway into, into the hallway and points it to my dad and presses the trigger. Nothing happens. I don't remember if, if he tried a second time. And, a, and while he's doing this, my dad is walking off the pulpit, walking towards him. And he walks all the way to the front of the gun, grabs the gun, and this guy falls on his knees and gives his life to Jesus. After the service, take the gun outside and it shoots normal. I can tell you there are some things you think it's the end of the world. At that time, I was still mute. I'll tell you another story that I witnessed. This one I saw with my own eyes. We were gonna do a crusade in a village and it was very Islamic. And so, they make an announcement on the radio. Hey, Pastor Dixon is coming to the village. If you don't mind, whoever is sick, bedridden, dying, give him a chance, bring him to the crusade ground. And here we are at the crusade ground but we didn't know that the night before, one of the sons of, of the lead Muslim guy in the village had died, and Muslims buried by sundown. So he, he, in the morning, he goes off to, 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 to get ready for burial in the evening. But then the wife has, had heard about the announcement, and so she said, no. I'm not gonna wait till evening. I'm gonna rush this boy to the crusade ground. And if that works, our son leaves. If it doesn't work, there's a possibility war was gonna break out, a civil war with machetes, because there they don't have jets and stuff. (laughs) And so, we're in the middle of all of this. The crusade is going. Here is the woman with the baby. Now, I don't remember exactly what happened, if someone laid their hands on this kid or they didn't. But all we saw was a group of Muslims and police coming to the crusade ground. The Muslims had machetes in their hands ready to kill every Christian that has done a taboo thing because their baby is supposed to be in Jannah and now he's on a Christian crusade ground. But as they were approaching so was their son testifying on the stage. I have never seen a ceasefire that did not have any words exchanged. The noise, the, the hollering, the everything that they had brought with you, someone said everything got quiet, and you saw this lead Muslim guy walk through the entire crowd to go give a hug to his son. All of this happened while I was mute. And you can see why I didn't want to be in ministry. Seems like God loved everybody else but me. But what I didn't see was the seed that was being deposited in here. I didn't need hands laid on me. I wanted to encounter that power personally.